By the way, it is great to see some of our, our folks, um, our theological term for you is peeps. Um, some of our peeps from last week that came for Easter, thank you for coming back. Because the church started to really exist and grow after the resurrection. So we're excited about that. So turn to Acts, see how that was a great segue. Turn to Acts 5. This morning we are continuing on in our series in Acts 5. And we are going to be in a very interesting, interesting dynamic this morning as we look at signs and wonders. Let's just have some fun with this. This is what it means to be devoted. It means that we are filming you, and depending on your answer, we will categorize you here um, at the church, and you will either receive certain emails from the pastor or no email. No, I'm just kidding. But here's what I would like to see, just because we are not that way. If any of you have a background in Baptist churches, raise your hand. Well, this whole side is almost Baptist. Okay. All right. There's something about this side. Maybe you guys don't sing very much. I don't know. what. Oh, that's my Baptist joke. Okay. Are there any folks in here that have an Assembly of God background? Oh, yes. This side. That's why the singing was full on this side. Yes, there was a big movement of the Spirit on this side of the room today. How many of you have, say, a high church background like Anglican or Episcopal or from a Catholic background? Yeah. Fantastic. How many of you have never been to church before and this is your first experience and you're not coming back? (laughs) So the beautiful thing about the church, again, remember, it's organic. The church is those who have seen Christ in the, in the pages of the Scripture, in the Gospel, and He's become real to them through the power of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, they've sought Him out. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all this will be added to you, right? That they have sought out God, and He has met them. And now they're in relationship together. And that's eternal. Eternal life for forever. But how we work all that out The human condition does not fail. We just tend to mess it up over and over and over and over. And so that's why we have all these different flavors. And we're going to get into 1 Corinthians 12, which I have my own hypothesis on this. It's not from the Lord. It's just me. I'll, I'll give it to you a little bit. I'll give it to you right now. Okay, you ready? This is just Pastor Jer speaking, not from the Lord. But there's an apostolic church just down the road that practices worship a little bit differently than we do. And you're going to hear some of what they do that's maybe different than what we do on a Sunday morning. And, and how do we resolve all of those differences? Well, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the diversity that God gives to the church. My theory on that is most of the time we think of that in context to just this local body. But what if he's meaning the church in general? Right? What if because of how he's uniquely made us, some of us really, really are able to connect worship-wise the way that that apostolic church does? 
And what if some of us really connect with the way an AG church does, or the way a Baptist church does, or as you are the holy, righteous, and blessed group, the way a free church does? <laughs> right? Maybe 1 Corinthians 12 isn't meant to be looked at with a microscope. It's meant to be looked at as the overall church. And so there's a uniqueness to maybe each church. The fascinating thing here is when we see the words that God has appointed, we need to move away from man making things happen, but man embracing what it is that God makes happen. Today, as we look at this idea of signs and wonders, it is going to be a foreign idea to most of us, which is unfortunate. But I love how we're going to finish today. I love how we're going to finish. So let's pray that the Lord is really clear on this. Father, help us have a clear mind and a a clear understanding. Let your spirit speak to our spirit and, and give me a way to communicate this well to the body today so that we don't leave in confusion, but we leave inspired. Thank you, Father. Amen. I read a... Uh, oh, my phone's back there. I read an article this past week that, that popped up about a pastor. It doesn't say where he was. Somewhere in the Middle East. A pastor who had been already beaten um, severely uh, by ISIS. And he had escaped, and he was in a house of an individual, an 80-year-old individual, who had some children with, with her, and she was trying to nurse this person back to health when the militants attacked again. Now, the way the story goes, I don't have any other details. You're going to be asking the same questions I'm asking. But... The way the story goes is as they showed up with pipes and bricks, um, you know, not lethal weapons, but semi-lethal weapons, right? Um, I kid you not, this is the testimony of this pastor, that a lion came out of the woods. Okay, already my radar is up, right? We're in the Middle East and I don't see a lot of woods. Magda, you got a lot of woods over there? In some areas, there are woods. Do you normally have a lion coming out of the woods? No. So, you know, I'm like, all right. I don't, this is the internet, right? And the way that the pastor tells the story is that the lion attacked his attackers. And so... They thought they had the numbers, and they turned on the lion and started to attack the lion, and two more lions came out of the woods and attacked these attackers. And when all was said and done and these attackers fleed, the lions left the inhabitants and the pastor completely alone and just wandered off. Signs and wonders. Now, how many of us hear that story and we have caution, right? How many of us hear that story and we're incredibly inspired? Let me tell you the rest of the story. This pastor had been fasting for a long period of time and he had already seen hundreds of Muslims come to the Lord and he personally baptized them. 
So that's why these militants were out to kill him. Signs and wonders. This is what we're talking about today. This is what the text offers us. This is who the early church was. Let's look. Matthew 5, 12 through 16. I'm going to read it here. You can read it up on the screen. I encourage you to read it in your Bibles. There are sermon notes so you can take notes today, and I encourage you to do so because we've got some pretty big stuff to cover. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord's multitudes, and both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all, what? Healed. We have individuals here today, we have individuals in our church that are suffering, that are going through major medical problems. I want you to hear this message today. I want you to hear this message. And we're going to try to answer this question. Is God going to heal you? Or is He not going to heal you? I watched an incredible movie with my daughter on uh, Friday night because my other daughter was having a party with about 16 16 16-year-olds. And that means dad leaves the house, right? Because that's spirit-led. And so I went with Jericho to the movies late, and we saw this movie called The Promise. It's not the rom-com, okay? Get away from that, okay? I don't watch those movies. This movie is actually, I, I, I recommend it on a lot of levels. It's based off true account of the Armenian Genocide and World War I. And there is a scene where the last bit of, of Armenians are seeking to escape from the Turks annihilating them. And they're up on this mountain and they're in a cave and the Orthodox priest is in the cave and an elderly lady says, is God going to save us? Is God going to save us? And what did the pastor say? He said, let us pray. He said, let us pray. I'm not going to tell you the rest of the movie because I don't want to spoil it for you. Um, But each of you are your own movie. Each of you, God has appointed things for you that He might see His Holy Spirit do signs and wonders. And so we're going to look and we're going to examine this idea because this is so controversial within the evangelical church today. But I want you to start with this idea. Look at what happened through the power of the Holy Spirit with the early church. It's undeniable what happened. So the key theme I want you to look at this morning is this. More than ever, believes... (laughs) Believers, I need a miracle on that spelling. Um, More than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes, both men and women. This is the key theme. This is the key theme. One of the things that we've talked about in our our strategic plan is that by the end of this year, we're a church of 300 people. We've got about 110 in the room right now. Pastor, you're telling me we're going to double, more than double in size? Actually, we've got about probably 20 to 30 kids is what we average. 
I'm telling you, it doesn't even take an effort of faith if we get some conviction about doing this. But if we see the Holy Spirit do work, if we stop being the American church and we start being the New Testament church, look at what the result was when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon the people. Thousands, thousands. And we've seen it for the past three chapters since the day of Pentecost. Thousands were added to the Lord. Were added to the Lord. Some comparative views on signs and wonders. So here's where it's going to turn into a class. You ready? Get your pens out. Start writing. Fill in the blanks. And some of you, I'm going to lose. Just please be patient. Here's what I have to share with you. You have stepped into a controversy this morning. A conundrum of theology, if we can. And we have to be responsible to look at the text and look at the Scripture and see what truth is. How does God function? And how does God function with man? So some of these things that are involved here are controversial within the church. And there are parts of this that have kind of separated the church body. And whenever I think about that, I always go back to Jesus' prayer, the high priestly prayer, where He prayed for unity over and over and over for unity. So what I want to do is I want to share with you these three distinct views on this area of signs and wonders and how did we get there. So that you're well versed in this and it, it helps you go through this journey of fully understanding how do we approach things that are unexplainable. What do we do with that? And what should we expect? What should we attain towards? What should we pray towards? What should we see God doing? And then because of those truths, how then shall we live? Let's start with this idea. Cessationist. How many of you have that in your lexicon, that word? Well, good. You're sensationist. (laughs) This is called a a great teaching moment. Because you're like, what are you talking about, pastor? A cessationist is someone who has ceased. So you have ceased from including the word cessationist into your lexicon. All right? A cessationist holds this view about signs and wonders. Not that they didn't ever happen. All these views, these three views, are particular to this time right now for the church. Understood? And the cessationist view is that signs and wonders were indeed a legitimate function and ministry of Jesus Christ and the apostles, but that those manifestations have ceased because there's no longer a need for those manifestations. Why? Because we have the written Word of God. That at the time that Acts 5, 12-16 was happening, they had the Old Testament and they had the testimony of the apostles and those that had seen Jesus. And so the Gospel was there, without a doubt, but it wasn't in written form, it wasn't in instructive form, um, per se, like we look at it, like we ingest it now. The other part that had happened is that Jesus, with all of His authority, with all of His ministry, with all of His power, with all of His inspiration, is now seated where? Where is Jesus at this point? He's at the right hand of God. And so what Jesus does is He imparts this gift through the Holy Spirit of the same things He was doing during His three years of ministry. The same exact things that He was doing. He imparts upon And this is my opinion, not necessarily that of Scripture. When I look for specifics, you see apostles over and over and over. But when it comes to specifics, I only see two or three of the apostles actually performing a majority of these signs and wonders. So even within the apostles, 
God designated certain ones of the apostles, of the leaders, to perform these signs and wonders. That's a key issue. So the idea is this, is that by putting these signs and wonders, right, let's go back to the day of Pentecost, that there are thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of people gathered at the temple steps, all in their own language, right? Got anybody that speaks Telugu in the room? Thank you very much. I I won't ask you, David. David's like, no, no, don't, don't do that. Um, We've got some German over here. We've got some South African. It's not South African. It's Afrikaans. Sorry. Um, We've got all these different languages that are in the room. But suppose you show up here today and that is the only thing you understand. And you walk in the room and all I know is English. And so what happened at the day of Pentecost? All of these different languages, they heard Peter's sermon at the day of Pentecost in their own tongue. It was a sign. It was a sign and wonder. It was a supernatural manifestation. And because of that, there was a recognition of something that was incredible, that was unexplainable, that certainly was reminiscent of the power of Jesus Christ, whom the apostles were preaching, and it gave authority to the message of the apostles. You got it? So a cessationist would say, for that time this was necessary for the transference of understanding what the apostles' business was about. That it identified with Jesus Christ. But some of these gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12, and some of these signs and wonders, the idea of tongues, the idea of prophecy as far as future telling, the idea of healing, um, raising people from the dead, so on and so forth. These are no longer active because they are no longer necessary in order to see Jesus Christ. Because we have the Scriptures. Is that, is that pretty clear? So let's talk about some of these ideas. This, this is the sensationist view. 1 Corinthians 13, 8-10. One of the reasons that they say that this is true is that they cite 1 Corinthians 13, 8-10. And they say that tongues will cease. As a matter of fact, turn there with me. Let's read it just so we, we, we don't brutalize it. Um, and he starts out by saying, If I speak with the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. In other words, it, it's pointless. It, it, it makes no sense, right? But let's look at verses 8-10. through 10. He says this, Love never ends. As for prophecies they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Seems pretty straightforward, right? I'd buy into that. It says it right there. Tongues will cease. Prophecy will cease. Seems pretty straightforward. <laughs> Did I do a good job of telling you I, I don't necessarily buy that? Okay. Uh, at this point, they would say that there's no recognition, and, and I'm taking some liberty with that because I haven't met and interviewed every cessationist out there. But this is kind of the official view. That there's no recognition of the supernatural gifts in the later epistles. All right, So Ephesians, Romans, where, where these are dated a little bit later, that, that you don't see the manifestation of the signs and wonders that you do in Acts. Okay, So that's one of the reasons they feel like they've already ceased acquiescing to 1 Corinthians 13. Some early church fathers believed this view. Um, Ignatius, um, Tertullian, um, others uh, believed this view. And so because they're just one generation removed from the apostles, they felt like, okay, there's some authority here. 
Next, until the 20th century, no widespread practice of these gifts were recorded in the church. You have millennia go by where you do not see tongues, prophecy, things like that recorded as part of the history of the church. It wasn't until the late 19th, early 20th century that you started to see a whole new movement, the Pentecostal movement come in, the charismatic movement come in, and start to see this widespread manifestation of these certain sign gifts. Now, does that mean that that the church didn't recognize signs and wonders where God did the miraculous? No, I'm just speaking about these these particular gifts that are called sign gifts. Tongues, prophecy, healing. The miraculous, okay? And I wouldn't even say the miraculous, just those three. Next, what's the strengths to this point? Well, it simplifies the difficult and unfamiliar, right? That if somebody comes up and prophesies over you and says, you know, you are supposed to, the Lord's told, the Lord's given me a what? A word. 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 The Lord's given me, I'm not, let me just stop, Okay. (laughs) I, I'm, I'm using a personification. I'm not making fun of that. So if I offend you, please forgive me. I'm not trying to make light of that. I'm just trying to talk through what happens in this milieu. Okay? So, someone may come up to you and say, I have a word from the Lord for you. By the way, that's a biblical way to say it as well. Okay? So that's why I need to reset that a little bit. And they say, you are supposed to marry me. God told me you are supposed... Anybody ever have that happen to you? Right here, Sally. So, that's how rich Mary... So, you know, there are these mitigating things that somebody walks up and tells you, the Lord told me... How many of you are really comfortable saying, "Uh, the Lord told me you're a liar? It's difficult. We're instantly in a space of conflict now. So to say that this no longer happens makes it easy. Right? It means I don't have to do the heavy work. How do we do this at work? We make policies. You know why you have policies at work? So your manager doesn't have to take on every single case piece by piece by piece. Right? Because some of us look at those policies and we say, you know, that's so overarching. It's kind of ridiculous. Well, there's a reason they use boilerplate policies is they don't have the time, they don't have the energy, they don't have the patience to handle everything. So we're just going to say, right? It's kind of like parenting, right? No, you're all grounded, right? Or you're all getting ice cream. You're all getting the same ice cream, one scoop with a sugar cone. No diversity. I can't handle it, right? You're all getting the same Happy Meal and be happy. Right? So it's just easier. It's easier. What else? Weaknesses. By the way, one of the strengths that's here is that maybe this is real. Maybe this is true. And it does call out those who are fake. It does call out um, the interposing upon the work of the Holy Spirit and falsifying it. And that's necessary. All right? The New Testament is riddled with information about calling out false teachers. Weaknesses. Well, when you think about the Gospel, there seems to me to be a group of people that were the authority 
the religious authority, and they called out Jesus over and over and over. And they even said that the works that He was doing were by the power of what? By the power of Satan. And Jesus said, oh, you silly people. You, you kind of missed it on that one. We're going to have a class, 5 o'clock, Southern Steps, just be there, okay? Some of the harshest stuff Jesus ever laid down is do not attribute the works of the Holy Spirit to Satan. For this sin, you will not be what? Forgiven. This is dangerous territory, my friends. So if you are a cessationist, I really encourage you, you better be sure. You better be sure. It's convenient, trust me, it's convenient. You know, I walk in circles that are, that are very ecumenical, right? People from all different walks. And there are some things that happen that I'm like, I'm not sure about that. And then people come to me and say, hey, pastor, what do you think? You know, and I'm supposed to have the right answer. You're at the wrong church if you want me to have the right answer. Second point, active and purposeful. Signs and wonders are indeed a legitimate function of the current church and the work of the Holy Spirit, including tongues, prophecy, and healing. Now, I, I labeled this this. It's not really seen this way within theological circles, but just so that you understand, you're not going to understand the terminology that would normally go here. So I, I just put, it's active and purposeful. It's happening right now, and it's happening because God's making it happen. All right, well, let's look at this. 1 Corinthians 12. Well, 1 Corinthians 12, if you look at it, speaks to the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon the people of the church. God's redeemed people. And it says specifically, and I'm, I'm truncating it because it's a long chapter and it would take a lot of work to get through it right now. But I encourage you to go back and, and, and do that. During your life groups, you're going to be in chapter 12, 1 Corinthians. It says that the Holy Spirit, as God appointed, you heard it already, verses 8-10, through 10, I believe we read, or 4-7, through 7. you're going to look at those issues and you're going to say, this is what God has appointed for each person to be able to do this, this, and this. And it's only going to happen because the Holy Spirit is providing that power for you. That baby is doing just fine, lady. She's doing great, okay? So, we, we love to hear children here. Alright, so... And 14.1 says this. I do want you to turn to 14.1. And this is what Paul says. 14 is kind of the concluding matter. Understand this about the church at Corinth. These guys, they're pretty rough. Corinth was like San Francisco through and through. It's like starting a church in San Francisco. And you're getting a whole group of people. And if, if, if they just get this one right, they're now getting this one wrong. You know, and so Paul's continually writing to them. He's got two letters that he writes to them where he's having to constantly encourage them, constantly help them understand what is the right way, what is the God-honoring way to do things. And so he talks about this issue of gifts because it had gone, it had, it had gone off the charts. It had gone off the rails. And all the people wanted to practice tongues. Why? Because what do we do when a celebrity shows up? Have you ever been in a restaurant where there's a celebrity? There's usually two reactions. The, um, the enigmatic reaction of, oh, no, I don't care. I hate celebrities. Right? Because you want to el- elevate yourself over the celebrity. Or you just can't, and you're pulling out your camera and you're trying to take a, a picture like this, right? Uh, we got a gift to Ruth Chris um, 
for Christmas. By the way, in case any of you want to know, we love Ruth Chris. Just want to let you know, whoever gave that gift, keep it coming. Okay. Um, But we're sitting there eating. I'm a huge San Diego Chargers fan. We're sitting there eating, and in walks Darren McFadden and four other Raiders. And they're sitting right across from me. And I did it. I did it. I'm like, I pull out, I'm like, Janine, slide a little to the left. I'm going to take your picture. And she's like right there. I'm like, right? And then I send it to my buddy who's a Chargers fan. And I said, I could easily stumble and fall and accidentally land on McFadden's knee. Just if you pay me enough, that's not going on the internet. I didn't need to do that. I didn't need to do that. His knee blows out all the time anyway. But, you know, I was that guy. I'm like, oh my goodness, there's, you know. So part of what's happening in the church of Corinth is they get enamored because somebody's doing something supernatural. We just have this tendency in the human condition to want to gravitate towards that. And so they had gone off the rails. And it was all about this and the other parts that are just as important, some more important, they weren't practicing what God had appointed for them to do. It was out of balance. Out of balance. And so listen, Chapter 14 is his conclusion on the matter, and this is what he says. Pursue love, not competition. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So just understand that those who say that it's active and purposeful, he sees Paul railing on abuses in 12, and he speaks to it in in 14 as well, but he's actually saying, prophesy. Now, let, let, let's get a little bit more into some of these terms. Tongues is from this Greek word, um, glossé, and, and it's this idea of a real language. There are those that would say there's an ecstatic language when he says, when I speak with the tongues of angels, that that's the reference out of Romans, when it says, when I don't know how to speak, the Holy Spirit intercedes for me. It's often called a private prayer language. I, I, I don't know. I don't have an explicit statement in Scripture saying this. And this is where we, either a cessationist or an active and purposeful person, this is where you get, here's class, you ready? Here's class. This is what's called in interpretation the hermeneutical spiral. On one end you have truth. You got it? On the other end you have experience. Now where does the arrow start? Chicken and the egg problem. So if you were raised in an Assembly of God church, when it comes to these issues of ecstatic speech, maybe what happens is your experience informs your truth. Because you can make an argument, right? If Paul says, if I speak with the tongues of angels, well, nobody knows what that is. So I can kind of say whatever I want to, you know, right? Because I see this. I've grown up in it. It's good. It's always reflected good. And so my experience is driving... Now, if I grow up in a, uh, in a Baptist church, maybe, then my experience is anybody who's, who's mumbling should be shot on the spot. Okay? I'm just kidding. Don't, all the Baptists were glaring at me with fire in their eyes. Okay. Any Baptist, you know, should, should be, and their experience is driving their truth. Folks, let the truth always drive your experience. That's a good way to practice interpretation. Then we don't get into these problems. Okay? But I want you to see that those who say it's active and purposeful, they would say, Paul's saying, even after the fact, he's saying, pursue the spiritual gifts. And he, and, and he doesn't segment them. As a matter of fact, he lists prophecy as one specifically. And while he does rail a little bit on the issue of tongues here, 
He doesn't forbid tongues. He just says he'd rather have you preach prophecy more than tongues. Okay? Unmistakable acts of the Holy Spirit in the current church. They would say that we see signs and wonders all the time, and it's by the process and the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and the active and purposeful believer would look at and say, look, we saw someone get healed. We saw them get healed. This is a month after. They're still healed. There's a, there's a brilliant surgeon. He was actually named, George Bush named him to the Genome Project. Mapping, mapping the genome. Um, Francis Collins? Francis Collins. Uh, pick up his book. Because you talk about a mind... He wasn't even a believer yet. He's not even marching on, on these issues. But he had a cancer patient that he basically said, go home. Go home and, and put your effects in order. And the person came back later and he couldn't find a single trace of cancer. Now I've abridged that just for the sake of time. There's a lot more details in there. But it was because of that sign and wonder that worked against all science that made him turn and say there's got to be something about this Christ. Is that not exactly what is being preached here out of Acts 5? It is exactly what's being preached. So there are those that say unmistakable acts of the Holy Spirit are alive in the current church. And it should lead us to seeing the power of the Holy Spirit and it should affect our church. And the result is our key theme, which I'll get back to in a minute. Don't forget that key theme. They would also say there's no clear or definitive command from Scripture stating that these gifts were only for a select few at a select time. But these gifts were given for the benefit of those outside the church and inside the church. Now, cessationists would take some Scripture, like 1 Corinthians 13, and they say, yes, there is clear definitive Scripture. No, it's not. That was one of the worst abuses of Scripture I've ever seen. And I read you the whole passage, but I only commented on part of it, didn't I? If you read the context of the passage, it says that these things will cease when what happens? When the perfect comes. Who is the perfect? Jesus Christ. We get ourselves in a heap load of trouble of building doctrines, not doctrines, dogma, around badly abridged reading and interpretation of Scripture. Now there are some other Scriptures out there that people want to utilize in, in it's not explicit to this issue. You will not find Jesus has commanded that tongues would cease. I had a friend that I went to Bible college with and his, his whole rationale for this was, well, Jesus never spoke in tongues. So I don't believe it. Okay. That really just fell on its face. I, I don't know what to do with it. That just came to me. It wasn't in the notes, but I, I, I want you to know that. Um, Strength to this point, acknowledge the power of the Holy Spirit, right? If we're going to look at Jesus' statement in the, in the New Testament during his gospel ministry and when the Pharisees trying, wanted to attribute the power of the Holy Spirit to Satan, you know, you're not going down that path. You are acknowledging the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's a huge strength to that. Weakness, you know, you enter into dangerous territory of fake, right? Faking the gifts, and some would say that your salvation depends on your ability to demonstrate tongues. I have seen it in doctrinal statements of certain denominations that simply say that unless you can manifest the power of the Holy Spirit through the gift of tongues, there is no evidence of the Holy Spirit in you. And so because of that, you are not saved. 
Do you know how incredibly dangerous that is? So you see how the human condition messes this whole thing up. And all of this is to make ourselves feel comfortable with something that we can't explain. So what do we do with it? Well, the third point, my point, I'm not saying you have to believe in this. But this is what I said at my ordination council, and I'm sticking to it. All right? Is what's called open but cautious. Signs and wonders are indeed a legitimate function of the church, but while good exegesis arrives at the conclusion that Scripture has only encouraged the seeking of these gifts, just like false teachers, there are those who will misrepresent or fake the, or fake, the fake. Something was wrong with my computer. Uh, or fake the fake. I really want to emphasize that. Or fake the fake or desire, um, or fake the desire uh, for personal gain. So what does open but cautious mean? It, it means that the person is letting their truth inform their experience. And the truth is, is that this happened. It happened as evidenced by the proliferation of the church. Listen, it was not Club Med. It was not the Disney Cruise to join the church. A lot of people talk about the resurrection, which we focused on last week, and say, oh, you know, the disciples grabbed the body and they hid the body because it was going to benefit them. Benefit them? All you have to do is do a study of what happened to these guys. It was not a good, luxurious life. So that theory is gone. And we're going to get into that in a minute. And all of this is going to flow into a cohesive thought for you this morning that's going to challenge you and inspire you. But the idea of dealing with that which is truly the power of God, it brings multitudes to Jesus. It brings multitudes to Jesus. We're going to conclude today with a great statement by Dr. Jones and not the archaeologist. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Let's look at some ideas here. Matthew 24, 24, Jesus was very specific and He says this, false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders. By the way, this is what a cessationist would use as well. That, hey, it was even predicted by Jesus that people would raise up in the last days and that, you know, they would do great signs and wonders. And so signs and wonders, these same things can be done by by the devil. Well, you've got Jesus saying this, but at the same time, you've got Jesus confronting people that are saying, you're doing this by the devil. You've got to work it out. You've got to work it out. Secondly, Acts 8, 13 through 20, the story we're going to get to in a, in a f- few months. Um, Simon the Magician. He was in a local territory and he, and he was killing it, man. He was making a great living doing these tricks. But then the apostles show up and real things happen that are supernatural. And he sees the power that's going to them and he's losing business. What do you do when you start losing business to a competitor? You burn them down, right? That's the American way. Yeah, you buy them out, right? You buy them out. And that's exactly what Simon tries to do. And the Scripture says that Simon even came to the Lord, but then he saw what these guys were doing and he approaches Peter. And he says, let me purchase this gift where you are laying hands on people 
And they're being given the Holy Spirit. And Peter really handles that well. Handles it beautifully. He says, oh, Simon, hey listen, I'm going to have a class at 5 o'clock on the southern steps. I want you to show up. We'll do some discipleship on this. And, um, and then we'll, we'll meet three times. And then what I want you to do is I want you to come and, and we'll just worship together. Read a couple books by Timothy Keller on it. And, uh, and it'll be great. No, Simon says, I'm going to pray for your soul because you are so on the edge of the cliff of damnation. I mean, these are some of the most brutal words you're going to find in the New Testament. Faking the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit is never seen as a light offense by God or in Scripture. And it's dealt with harshly. We saw a few weeks ago what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. Now, there will always be false teachers. There will always be those who present a false sense of the Holy Spirit's leading. Does that mean that the Holy Spirit isn't leading? Well, that would be akin to me saying a different kind of Gospel. I start presenting a different kind of Gospel where you can save yourself. Now, because I start doing that and it's erroneous and it's harmful and it's false, does that mean that the true Gospel is now affected and it's no longer worth anything? No, not at all. So we cannot evacuate these signs and wonders and what God does, what He truly does, because it's unexplainable, it's not part of our experience, there are people who fake it. None of that makes sense. Don't let it rob you from the work of the Holy Spirit. The other idea is this. It says that God has appointed. In 1 Corinthians 12, God has appointed for individuals to do these things for the overall benefit of the church. We have to be very, very real about what it is that God has appointed and given to each person and that's something I'm, I'm vastly committed to. And I would love to walk you through that in trying to see what it is that God has for you. What it is that God through His Holy Spirit has given to you to do. It's a practice of spiritual gifts. And, and who knows what God might do through you that would be miraculous. And we'll get to that in a minute. So strengths, acknowledged and inspired by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not denying the power of the Holy Spirit. It approaches with discernment. And he uses Scripture as a guide. Are there any weaknesses? No, because it's my view. So let's move on. (laughs) Key theme. Let's get back to it as we wrap up. Here's the bookend. More than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. Is this happening in the church in America? On some levels. But I just saw a report how over uh, 1,200 churches in the past 10 years in England alone have closed their doors. Oh no, it gets worse. They didn't close their doors. They sold that establishment. I'm not going to say the church. They sold the building and those buildings are now mosques. Islam is blowing up in Western Europe. And as far as I know, as one who has been there, who has walked the streets, who has walked into the mosque, who has walked into the churches, who has seen the boarded up plywood, plywood windows. Right, Andrew? 
It's not because of conversion. It's not because of the power of Islam. It's because of the fear of Islam. And most of the, most of the, the growth that's happening there is within its own culture. It's just the growth of the population. And when, when you grow in that, that span, you're, you're Muslim. And so it's, it's the moving out of the typical Muslim regions into Western Europe, and those churches are declining. The American church in some ways is declining on the same level. But that's not our problem. Our problem is, in America, we need to look to churches that are growing. And and I referred to this a few weeks ago. Um, Francis Chan, a a fairly well-known speaker, um, was speaking at William Jessup University, and I heard this message, and I've heard it over and over by different people that have gone to China and, and not Hong Kong, where I've been, um, but the interior, the provinces. And the Chinese church is blowing up. It's extrapolating. South Korea, North Korea. There are huge things that are happening. They don't have trained pastors. They don't have sound and bands. They don't have a mops program. They don't have youth group. They don't have all these things that the American church puts together. By the way, just because they don't have it in there, okay, let's not, we're not going to cut everything around here, okay? But we do want to look at this and examine this. Yet Francis and many others have come back and see that the church is blowing up in light of the fact that the American church is stagnating. We put so much money into trying to reach out to people. We put so much money and effort and plans into going down pathways to promote and and bring in, and and yet we're just still kind of stagnating. We put on a huge show, and that brings in some people for a while, but then all of a sudden, we can't keep the show up. The people walk away because there was no authentic connection to Christ. What is wrong with us? Because the Chinese church has got it right. And so Francis, by the way, Francis had a huge church down in Simi Valley, started a college where they didn't charge tuition. Imagine that. And he, had this huge, and he still has this huge ministry worldwide. He's probably written 25 books, video series, on and on and on and on. He walked away from it all and he lives in the city in an apartment. Okay? Be, be, not because he's tired of the American church, but he's sold out to seeing things happen within the church that he sees elsewhere that we are very anemic on. And that's where we land today. We gave you the three views. Okay, you you, you get that part, right? What's the takeaway today? This is the takeaway. So he asked the pastor, he said, why? Why is this happening? You don't have all these things that we're doing in America. So the pastor gave him these five pillars. Number one, we believe in the Bible. Number two, we are effective in prayer and, and we commit to prayer. Number three, everyone shares the gospel. There is no professional gospel sharer. Everyone shares the gospel. Here's four. Committed to a regular expectation of miracles. Why did the church blow up by thousands in Acts 5 and Acts 4 and Acts 3? Because of the Holy Spirit doing acts of signs and wonders. And again, a statement's coming 
that I hope inspires you. Last one, and this was Francis's point, they embrace suffering for the glory of Jesus. They embrace suffering for the glory of Jesus. This is our greatest problem. This is our greatest problem. Is that we love reading story about those that are suffering and how Christian brothers and sisters around the world stand up and see great things. But we are making no progress towards wearing the mantle of suffering that our brothers and sisters are around the world and doing it with joy. Let me show you why. We deny the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we surround ourselves with other things that are powerful. This is an age-old problem for man and God. When you look at the Old Testament, folks, God would do some great sign and wonder, and the people would do what? They'd go running to him. Oh, God, you're our guy. We love you. You know, this is fantastic. Woohoo! Put the big G on my T-shirt. Yes, here we go. And then when they had more than they should, more than they needed, they started seeing themselves as God. And that's when they started forgetting about the signs and wonders. They started forgetting about the power of God, and they focused on their own power. I have so much in my life that I deny the power of the Holy Spirit because I'm so involved in the power of everything else that isn't even close to the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me give you a point on that. I'm looking at my watch, and it's time for me to be done. So maybe I shouldn't give this illustration. What do you think? Oh, thank you. <laughs> you, you get another star next to your membership. So, let's see here. all saying it's not working so this watch will tell me what my heartbeat is it'll tell me if you're calling it'll tell me if I've got a text I was with Bob in a meeting this past week and you know how rude is it when you're in a private meeting and and you know you look at your phone because you got to take it you know, you got to take a phone call and people get offended. I don't have to do that anymore. I just keep my phone here and it just vibrates and tells me if somebody, you know, you don't know that it's vibrating. And um, I used to set the alarm on here for 20 minutes for speaking and would vibrate. And you don't know that for when I preach. And it doesn't make any difference. I just keep preaching. <laughs> so I just stopped. Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of an amazing thing. Um, I, I tested this before. And I don't know why it's, um, it's not working. So there you go. You have an illustration that you've tested, and it's not working. So here's what you do when you're preaching. You make lemons out of oranges. And my point is simply this. I think this is really powerful. And yet it just let me down. It just let me down. I have a remote in my car for my stereo. Isn't that ridiculous? My stereo is right here. They even put buttons on my steering wheel so I can control it without crashing my car, right? But the button doesn't work anymore. And, and I don't want to be the person that's distracted, right? Because that's kind of illegal. I, I think it's a fuzzy area now with radios. I don't know. 
So it's just easy, because when I hold that remote in my hand, my thumb knows exactly where to go. And I'm driving the other day, and it's not working. I just put a new battery in it, and it's not working. I was so frustrated. I was like, come on. What's wrong with this? Does it have no power? What's going on? This is ridiculous. And, and, and The church that says signs and wonders are over with are like the same ones that pulled the battery out of the remote. You still have a remote. It just doesn't work. You still acknowledge the Holy Spirit's there, but you're not going to let Him work in those ways. We have to be excited and truly understand who the Holy Spirit is. I'm going to conclude with this statement this morning. You ready? This is Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And many of my cessationist brothers and sisters love this man, have his books, so on and so forth. And yet I don't understand why there's a disparity between how he saw Scripture and saw the works of the Holy Spirit versus those who say the time of signs and wonders have ceased. He says this, what is needed is some mighty demonstration of the power of God, some enactment of the Almighty that will compel people to pay attention and look and to listen. When God acts, He can do more in a minute than man with His organizing can do in 50 years. Brothers and sisters, we need signs and wonders. We want to multiply we want to see the church multiply. Let's not do it because we've got some fancy program. Let's not do it because we can do a great job of marketing. We have a, a challenge this morning in the way of the early church. You see, the early church had a desperate need. It grew too fast. And they had to take care of all these people. And so when you look at the, the chapter 4 of Acts, and towards the end where all these people brought their things, they sold their possessions, they did whatever it took in order to take care of, and they had everything in common. They sacrificially gave in order that God's work might be carried out. We believe, the search committee believes that if God has this family for us, it's a sign of what God is doing here to multiply His effort and to see more and more come into the Lord's presence on a huge level. The question is, are we willing to sacrifice for that? Because we're going to have to give more. We're going to have to all contribute. There is no rationalizing, oh, well, I'll, I'll you know, I give over here, or I, you know, I, I give of my time. I, those are all really good things. But if you're devoted to this body and the work that God is doing here, you have a chance to step up. Now, here's the thing. We just want your money. Okay? If you're visiting today, 
Hear me clearly. We just want your money. No, we don't. Here's what your pastor wants you to see. It's just timely. It's just, I did not manipulate this. This was already, we, we have to do this. I have to know. I have to know before this family comes, are we going to support them? We lost one family because we didn't have, we weren't, we weren't paying attention to it. Now, I believe God has the Morgans where he has the Morgans. Okay, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But there's something for us to learn in that as well. Are we going to be serious about more and more coming into the presence of the Lord? So the idea here is not that, hey, we need your money, we need your money. Because there's always going to be something else we need your money for, okay? Here's what this is about. You're sitting there this morning, you're saying, there isn't, Pastor, you can squeeze this lemon all you want. There's nothing. I would be so much more excited if I saw pledges of $50 a month, $25 a month, and we had 10 of those, than I got a pledge for, I'll give 1000 a month. Because the idea is that we're contributing what we pray about and what the Holy Spirit leads us to do. And here's where the signs and wonders happen. And I've heard this story over and over and over. This is just one example, folks, of where we can go with, with this passage today of being inspired and living by the power of the Holy Spirit. You may not have a drop of lemonade to give. But why not pray and make it an experience between you and the Lord and see what he does. See what he lays on your heart. Not what the pastor's laying on your heart. But see what he lays on your heart. And then see if you are lacking at all. If you follow through with that. Because then it's not about the church and their needs and this, that, and the other. It is simply a spiritual experience between you and God. And unfortunately, in America, one of the worst areas that we struggle with in materialism and our money. And so the challenge, this is just one way. This is just one way for us to respond today. Um, in closing, let me just say to you, whatever the issue is for you, that you need a sign and a wonder, you need the Holy Spirit to step up, I encourage you. I have not gotten the memo from Scripture or anywhere else, the Holy Spirit has changed His approach with His people. And that the Holy Spirit is active. And if you need healing, call on Him. Call on Him. If you need comfort, call on Him. If you're in a financial situation or you're in a legal situation or you're in... Um, a family situation that is way beyond your ability to do anything, call on Him. And next Sunday, when we're having lunch together, we're going to give praise. And we're going to hear what God has done. We're going to give testimony. Because we believe in signs and wonders. They're happening here in this church. And we've got one light lit that speaks to that sign and wonder. Let me close in prayer today. And again, this morning, if you have brought your gifts, thank you. That, that is a, a, a part of worship that Scripture is very, very clear. The Lord is very, very clear on this, that He desires that we give those gifts with great joy and with personal interaction between ourselves and God. 
and that he rewards the giver in, in a variety of different ways. And so as I close in prayer today, I'll pray over the offering and I'll, I'll pray a, a prayer over us as we continue our, our way today. Father, we commit this time in this very challenging passage and, and thinking about how it affects us. Let us never discount the power of God. Let us not be so impressed with the things around us that break all the time that we are so distracted that we, we walk away from the power of God. Lord, speak to our hearts. Encourage us to seek You out and to minimize those things that we have set around us as idols that, that strip away our focus and our desire for You to do Your supernatural work. And Lord, for those that are here today that they're hearing this message and they're calling on Your Spirit, I pray that You show Yourself and that they remain steadfast and faithful to call on You. Walk with us in our endeavors to honor You and obey You and serve You this week. Bless our gifts today. Multiply them out. And let us go out today with joy in our heart, Lord. To You be all glory. Amen.